Hell yes, you spiritual badass. The play button you just hit brought you into a world of your own magic where you can be, do, and have anything. Where the possibilities are endless and you are limitless. I'm Janessa McKenzie, your guide on this journey, an NLP practitioner, master mindset coach, and an intuitive and lunar living expert. Join me in mixing the woo with the do to elevate you to be the best version of you that you can be. Raise the collective consciousness to a higher frequency so we all rise and many, many future generations continue to rise. We're going to unlearn all the bullshit that we've been taught and conditioned to believe and shift into the next paradigm of truth and to walk along the spiritual path, whatever that looks like for you, to find more love, light, joy, and gratitude. I'm sharing all the knowledge I have and will continue to acquire to help you to live the best possible life of abundance, growth, and self-love. You can manifest your dreams. You can create your own incredible reality. You are meant for more. You deserve more. You can be, do, have whatever you want because you are limitless. You are a spiritual badass. Let's do this. Welcome back, you spiritual badasses. I am here today with Crystal Steers, and today we're going to talk about how science is finally catching up with spirituality. Um, and, you know, maybe some quantum physics, and we'll talk about energy, <laughs> and we'll talk about universal, you know, the grid and all the good stuff that's going on, and how science is finally acknowledging that, you know, this shit's real <laughs> for all you skeptics out there. The stuff's real. Imagine that. Crystal, how are you? <laughs> I am wonderful. Thank you. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. I know. I'm excited you're here too. So we were just talking before the, before we started actually recording and I was telling Crystal that I had a, a ton of things to do this morning. So I did all those things and then I got home and my computer decided to update. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I feel like I should just be standing in the corner, like blah, 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 doing that right now. <laughs> Which so. is, you know, kind of what happens to us, especially when our minds are in 16 different places and we have all of this energy that needs to be going to different places and trying to rein that in and focus it in on just the one task in front of us is not always easy. I know. And you're like, okay, I was just here. Now we got to shift gears to here. And then right. I don't even want to think about what I got to do next. Exactly. <laughs> That's how I feel. So Crystal, tell us more about you. Like, what do you do? Who do you serve? What's going on? So I own a business. I started a business um, called Chasing Happiness, and you can find it at chasinghappiness.ca. And it's really a coaching business, but let's be frank, anybody who does any kind of personal coaching, it's not just about coaching. So mm -hmm. the goal with Chasing Happiness was to help people to create the lives of their dreams, whatever that means, because individually, I think for all of us, we have different answers to that question, right? Mm -hmm. What is happiness? How do I create a life that's meaningful to me? What is my purpose? Those answers are really drastically different depending on where you live, the lifestyle you maintain, what you want to be living, how you want to be living. Mm -hmm. And so the goal of chasing happiness is really to help people figure out what that is for themselves. So 
I do do one-to-one coaching. I also do a lot of things like this. I do podcasting. We have a book club. We do a live chat monthly where I cover different topics and chat with people in the community about what they're struggling with or what idea has, you know, sort of presented itself in their world, whether that be something like quantum physics or whatever it happens to be Mm. and how we can, you know, find the answers or the people who have the answers to help them answer all of their questions in life. So at the base of it, I am a coach. I am a personal life and development coach, but ultimately just like everyone else who's listening to your podcast, I am very complicated and complex. So there are a lot of things that I do with chasing happiness. Yes. Amen to all of that. So I, <laughs> I definitely know what it, what it means to be, Oh, I don't know if you just heard that, but my cat just like totally crashed into like my plant. Oh, awesome. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what it's like to be a coach and realize that coaching is not just about, you know, one aspect of somebody's life. Exactly. Like no matter what you're coaching, you're always coaching in a whole bunch of different you know, realms of somebody's reality. A hundred percent. And I think that's one of the great things about what we're going to chat about today, because we are finally getting to a place where people are starting to acknowledge, you know, we as human beings are complicated and we are Mm. complex and everything around us is complicated and complex. There Mm. is no you know, sort of one size fits all black and white answer for everything in life because of that. And as you said, that applies to the coaching world, right? Like you can't, you can't walk into my space and have me give you the same sort of plan and strategy that I gave the person I spoke to prior to you, because you guys are complex. You're different people. You've lived different experiences. How you perceive the world is very different. And so, you know, everything has to adapt sort of individually from that. Yeah. Yes. All of that. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. So I know that recently, you know, in the past couple of years is three or four years. Oh, good. Now both of the cats are on my windowsill. Great. Uh Uh, (laughs) I love them, but man, they, they decide to wake up at the most inopportune time sometimes. (laughs) Um. So in the last like, you know, three to five years, my spiritual journey and self-development journey started. And, you know, I always tell my people in business that, you know, starting a business is like self-development with a paycheck. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Because I probably never would have known myself or really like dug in and understood my different belief systems and whether, you know, they were serving me or not at the time, if I didn't start a business. And I'm not saying that everyone has to start a business to do this, you know, this journey, because absolutely not. Right. But that just was my catalyst to that. And, uh, and it excites me to see that now, you know, the science community is also recognizing that there are definitely things in this world that we can't see, taste, touch, yes, feel tactically, right? Well, and things that we can't study. So one of the yeah. great things that I think has happened, especially over the last decade, is science is finally getting to a place where it's starting to acknowledge, hey, 
we can't necessarily study this phenomenon. We can see that it's happening. We can see that multiple people are going through an experience, Mm -hmm. but we can't put it under a microscope the way that we're used to studying things. And there is this movement in the scientific community now to better understand what science really is from Mm -hmm. that standpoint, because We all know we live in this world. We know there's an energy exchange between people when they meet, whatever that happens to be positive, negative, but there is an energy exchange happening. Well, how do you measure that from a scientific standpoint? You can't really like see atoms and neurons and all of those things changing hands, Mm. but science is finally starting to say, we know this happens. We know when you meet someone who's in a bad mood, if you spend a lot of time with them, you suddenly develop their bad mood. Mm -hmm. How does that happen? Why does that happen? How can we study that in a different way? Because we can't put it under a microscope. And that's kind of the magic about what's happening now is there is this whole movement of people who rather than looking in, you know, the typical textbooks from the last hundred years, they're saying what we thought might not actually be true anymore. So how do we define and change who we are to study the thing we don't understand, which is ultimately what science was born out of, right? This need to study things that people at the time had no way of really understanding. And so philosophy is kind of marrying with science, which is marrying with this spiritual world in a way that we've never really seen before. And thankfully, you know, we live in this digital age where information can be transmitted around the world and spiritual teachers who have been practicing and learning these things for hundreds of years can finally get involved with the scientific community and say, Hey, we know this happens. We've seen this happen. We've studied, we've taught, we've done this for hundreds of thousands of years in my culture. And so it's been a slow train to kind of get here, but I'm so excited to see that we are now in this place where it's unfolding because one of the great things that I think has happened is science is now starting to actually look at the physiology of our bodies and say, we know things like trauma can actually be carried physically in the cell of the body. (laughs) Right. And that's huge, right? Because anyone who's experienced generational trauma in some way will tell you, like, I I feel that, but I don't know how to put it into words. And now science is saying, we have a way of starting to understand that this actually is affecting your cells, even though it was someone else's trauma, because genetically it was carried through your genes. That's huge. If somebody had told my grandmother, this was going to be something that we were talking about, she never would have believed it. Right. So I think think the word would have been like crackpot or something. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. Exactly. It's this magical sort of thing that's happening. And I think it's really going to lead to some transformative moments, not just for us as individuals, but for us as a collective world, because we're now getting to the place where people can say, if this is really happening and we can tell that it's happening through some sort of scientific method, what do we do in order to heal people? So that that trauma doesn't carry forth genetically for the next hundred years. And that's going to be a magical thing that we're all going to be a part of over the next hundred years. Yes. Yeah. And that will be very exciting to see how that unfolds in the scientific community, because as we know uh, from experience and just by listening to other scientists, like if they don't have hard facts and data, 
then it's hard for them to believe that something is true. Absolutely. And, and a lot of times what you'll hear, um, living sort of in the psychology world, as I do, Mm -hmm. a lot of times what you'll hear is, oh, that's just the placebo effect. Mm. And my issue with that is you are blanket statementing that it must just be this sort of magical thinking because you can't prove under a microscope that this is actually happening for someone. And don't get me wrong, you know, being in the area of psychology that I'm in, I do spend a lot of time in research and, and, you know, digging really deep into scientific methods. But for me personally, being the spiritual being that I am, the placebo effect is just a way of sort of brushing off what has happened to people. And I don't like that because for me, if, if I give you a sugar pill and suddenly you get better, I don't think it's the sugar pill and I don't think it's your (laughs) mind. Yeah. I think what has happened is your body has healed you because it knew you needed to be healed, but we're not giving the credit to your body for that. We're saying, well, your mind decided because you had a pill, it was magically going to get better. It is not that simple. And I hate that we sort of blanket people under that placebo effect because if people really understood genetically how complex our bodies are, they would understand there is a hundred million things about our bodies that we just don't understand. And that science is not yet able to explain. So, you know, I think overall, this world is definitely starting to get into the realm of acknowledging. We don't have an answer for that. You know, science has been medical science specifically has been this great thing for human evolution Mm -hmm. because diseases have come along that we weren't prepared for. And medical science can create, you know, whether it's a vaccine or or a pill like antibiotics and people live longer and that's great. Mm -hmm. But medical science is finally just getting to the place where it's saying, well, actually we don't know that this works the same as it does in women as it does in men, because Mm. we never bothered to study women until like the seventies or eighties. So maybe we should start looking at it from another perspective. And because those changes are happening, we're finally getting to a place where science and scientists are saying, well, we don't have all the answers and thank the Lord for that because hundred percent, they don't have all the answers. None of us do still. I mean, we're like you said, our bodies and our minds are so complex that we, I, you know, as a collective, we don't even know what they are capable of. Right. Yet because there's so just so much. I mean, they're learning new things just as we all are, but especially the medical community, I mean, they're learning new things every day, right? Exactly. And now that they get to look at this from a different perspective, whether it's, you know, testing more on, on women or, you know, just being open to the fact that there is way more and that things can look magical, (laughs) Right. Even though we were innately born with, you know, healing energy in our own bodies or um, a, a certain type of mindset that we can all have that can help us move through trauma or whatever it may be that, you know, they're open to be like, oh, okay, so we get that we can't see all of the things and that we can't measure 
um, in a statistical way, the things that are happening, but obviously something's happening. Yes. And like that picture that, did you, have you seen the picture that NASA took of like that little black space um, in space? It was like a little black dot that they were like, we're going to point the deep space Hubble telescope in this spot where it doesn't look like there's any stars <laughs> for 10 days and see what, see what comes out of it. Right. So this little blank spot in the sky comes back with like thousands of galaxies. Yep. And that's like, we're seeing that the light finally, you know, hitting the, te- the Hubble telescope is from billions of years ago. Right. So we're seeing galaxies that were just being born and that are completely like, I mean, have been alive in the universe for billions of years, just, you know, like I would assume this one has been, I don't know how long this universe (laughs) has been around, but, but they're realizing now that, well, there's like way more, way more out there than they ever thought. I mean, we could go on a down a tangent on that one, but you know, <laughs> we a hundred percent can, but that's the thing, right? There is finally an acknowledgement and in part because of this technology, but there is finally an acknowledgement that we don't have all the answers yeah. and that's not typical of the scientific community necessarily over the last hundred years. Right. So, you know, like you can ask a, a medicine man or a medicine woman from an Aboriginal community about how they heal certain parts of the body. And science would say, well, no, not really, because we can't prove that in a laboratory. Mm. But now there's an acknowledgement that this has worked for hundreds of thousands of years. Maybe there's something here that we can't study in a laboratory. Maybe there's some thing that is happening, whether it be energy, whether it be you know, energy combined with physiology, combined with other things. And science is saying, okay, you know what? Let's not write it off entirely. Let's just say we don't understand it yet. And that's magical. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I think behind a lot of the things that, you know, the the scientific community can't prove in a laboratory is a belief, right? So when we have that unwavering belief that whatever it is, healing, if it's trauma, if it's whatever you want something right. Manifestation. If the belief that you can do whatever it is that, you know, you're, you want to manifest, heal, whatever is not solid, then you probably won't manifest it. Right. No matter how much you say you want it. (laughs) Right if the belief behind it and the energy behind your decisions or your beliefs or whatever are not, you don't feel that like, and you believe it to be absolutely true, then that's that like, that's when the magic happens is when you have that belief that no matter what happens, no matter what is going on right this minute, this is going to happen. Or I already have this. Do you know what I mean? And that, that's where the power lays. 
Absolutely. As far as I'm concerned, that's where the power lies is, is in the belief that you can heal in the belief that you can, you know, have whatever it is that you want. Well, and that you're worthy of it, right? There's so many people who, yes, I believe that I should X, Y, Z, but they don't actually believe they're worthy of it. They want it. They believe it's possible, but they don't believe they're worthy of it. And that is the stepping stone, right? That's, that's that sort of roadblock that you run into Mm -hmm. because anything that you want in life, if there's a part of you that is worried, concerned, or thinks on any level that maybe you're undeserving, you're going to self-sabotage in some way, whether yeah. it's intentional or not, because you're still holding on to that false belief that you're not worthy of the best things in front of you. Right. Yes. And that like right there, <laughs> like mic drop, just end the episode. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, but that's so true. I mean, it it all just comes really back to you, right? I mean, we, we were conditioned so much when we were younger, hopefully they're not saying this in like a generation or a couple generations from now (laughs) anymore. Um, But we were conditioned to think about more about what we don't want than what we do. Right. And more about what's outside of us than what's inside. Well, and to trust other people, this is not in the sense that, you know, you should trust your neighbors, but trust other people know what's best for you. And this is where I always struggle when I'm dealing with a client, because for me, you know, even if you're in the muck and you're, you know, your whole life is falling out around you, you know what decision needs to be made at the core of who you are. You know what your next step is, but you're consistently looking outside of yourself to get affirmation that that's what you need to do. And we're taught that we are taught, look to doctors. They know better. We're taught, look to teachers. They know better. Look to your parents. They know better. Look to your friends, look to these other people who have accomplished that they know better. Mm. And you are the only one that knows you are the only one that knows what the actual answers are for yourself. And I'm not saying everybody has the answer. Sometimes we need guidance and we need help to get there and that's okay. That's my whole career is based off of that. Right. But ultimately I don't sit in front of clients and say, this is what you need to do. I check in with clients and say, What do you think the next step should be? Why do you feel that way? Where is your apprehension about it? How can we figure out a way to deal with all of your fears about it so that you can make that step that you feel is right on the inside? And that's ultimately the important part because we are so conditioned to believe everyone else knows what's best for us. But the truth is we know we are the only ones that know. Right. And that, you know, you have to follow what they did exactly in order for you to get what they have. (laughs) Right. Oh man. I remember those days. I do. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and, and uh, I I am a hundred percent on the bandwagon with you of like, I hope the next generation and the generation after don't have that Mm. because, oh, 
you know, no one has walked in my shoes. I've lived a very complicated and complex life mm-hmm. and, and the number of things that I've encountered and challenges and things that I've had to overcome, you know, nobody else can say they've lived that exact path. Right. And that's true for all of us. We've all mm-hmm. had unique paths to us based on our life circumstances. So why on earth would we think following in someone else's footsteps exactly is going to work for us? It just isn't. Yeah. And then the fact that even if you and I did have all the same exact experiences in life, we'd have two different perspectives. A hundred percent. So it doesn't even matter if two people have walked to the same exact path and had the same exact experiences because their perception of those are going to be completely different. And that's what makes the path different, right? How you perceive the thing that we're encountering and how I perceive it are two totally different things, which makes it two different paths. And I I have clients all the time say to me, well, my brother grew up in my household or my sister grew up in the same circumstance. Yes, you're right. They did. The problem is they didn't experience it the same way you did because your perceptions of the situations were different. You ultimately walked a very different path than they did. And what worked for them may not work for you. Right. Exactly. I mean, I, you know, I didn't, I don't have sisters and brothers, but I did have a very close cousin growing up and, you know, we lived in the same house. And we're two totally, I mean, every single person is totally different. And that, that has always really intrigued me too, how two people can have multiple children and they're all so different. Yeah. Like, why didn't anybody ever look at that in the scientific (laughs) community? Like, how does that happen? Two people have multiple children and every single child is different. So like here's what the makes thing. them different. You know what yeah. I mean? And here's the thing. People have tried to study this. And this is one of the things that's sort of leading science to go, okay, well, maybe we can't study everything because as we sort of developed psychology and started studying things like this, there were multiple studies about different generations, about different children within the same household and the different family structures. That's how we got to this place where people will often refer to, well, that's middle child syndrome or that's first mm. child syndrome or what, you know, that's the baby of the family. Those labels came out of those research studies. But the problem with those research studies is they walked in with an assumption that every child within a family is different and we need to figure out why. And the Mm. truth is every child is different because every person on the face of the earth is different. It has nothing to do with what order they're born in. It has to do with how they're raised. And every child is raised differently depending on when they come into a family because a parent changes and grows with every birth of every new child. They change their strategies. The world around them changes. So you're living in a world right now where children are being born in a really high stress environment. 10 years from now, if those parents have another child, that child is going to be raised in a totally different environment. That has nothing to do with the fact it was the second kid. It could be the fifth kid. The world around them has changed. So because of that, those children are different and growing up in different situations, even if it is the same household. So science is really starting to acknowledge that we can't really 
cookie cutter all of this because mm. so many different factors go into developing a human being. Well, and not just that, but the consciousness that you are born with, the consciousness mm-hmm. that you are before exactly. you come into your own skin is all different. And I believe that that's where it starts, right? Like that consciousness that you are, are born with is so different than anybody else's, but nobody, you know, I I mean, I'm not saying they have not tried to study this too, because I've seen things where they've been like, well, where does your consciousness come from? (laughs) Right. But where does it come from? Like nobody has an answer yet. Right. So what makes you, you, like, it's not just your genes, your upbringing or whatever, because if, if, you know, a baby was born and cared for and, you know, nurtured and it like, as all of us, we would just acknowledge and perceive the world in the environment that we are, are grow up in, but like you just said, it's all perceived different by each person. Yes. And, and that spirit or consciousness or however you want to label it, Mm -hmm. it's one thing that I don't know that we're ever specifically going to have an answer for, but I can tell you people really are trying, you know, there are some great things out there like human design, for example, that takes Mm -hmm. a look at how your spirit or how your consciousness sort of decides and how that sets you up for the rest of your life and what those sort of traits are. If, if people listening to this don't know human design, I highly recommend you at least go Google your human design and look it up. Yeah. But it's just one piece of the puzzle. Don't go down the rabbit hole though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You can very much get down a rabbit hole with that, but it's just one piece of the puzzle. Right. And, and parents will tell you, you know, even parents of twins, they're born at the same time. They experience the exact same thing, but they're two very separate personalities. Yeah. Well, that's in part because they're spiritually different beings. Right. And so there is this acknowledgement from people who have children or have seen children, you know, even if you don't have your own, you know, like people will say to me all the time, because most of my friends are having babies or have recently had babies. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, this three month old totally has its own personality. Well, of course it does. Yeah. Of course <laughs> it has its own personality. Did you expect it to come out like a robot? No, yeah. <laughs> of course it has its own personality. Parts of its personality probably come from you, but other parts it decided it decided whatever we're going to label it, you know, the soul, the consciousness, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it made choices too. And that's how it got here. Yes. And yeah. And that still blows my mind. Like it's (laughs) still, and it blows my mind only because we don't have an answer for it. Right. Right. Because we're not, you know, we don't well, the scientific community can't label it as this is how this (laughs) happens. And this is what, you know, and this is the proof that we have. So we're like in this society of, if it's not proven, then is it really real? Right. And this is, this is the big flaw as humans, right? We want, we are always asking why, what, where, how we are constantly wanting an answer to the question instead of simply taking a deep breath and saying, maybe there isn't an answer. Let's just accept it as it is and, and not go digging, right? Like, 
we may never get an answer as to what spirit really is or what consciousness really is, or my definition might be very different than your definition. And that's all okay too. Instead of us having to sort of box things into these labels and categories, you know, there's a phrase that we use in psychology about how our minds are set up and the word is schema. And it's meant to sort of build the path, right? Your your brain puts a schema in place so that it can sort through information really quickly mm-hmm. and it can find what it's looking for. And that's sort of how your neurons work. So it's like firing this information and it's like, okay, well, this fits this box. It must belong in this category. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that's how we try to categorize the life around us, right? We're constantly trying to put things in all these boxes. Right. So to have a box about spirituality that we can't really label, We can't really, you know, close the box because we don't know what the box should look like. We don't know where it came from. We don't know all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so we as humans are constantly like, well, it needs to have a label. Okay. Spirituality is what we're going to call it right now. That's Mm. not what we called it hundreds of thousands of years ago, but this is what we do as human beings, because we can't simply say, you know what? It's okay. If I don't have an answer, this is just what I'm going to believe. Yes, exactly. And that's all our life and reality is. (laughs) Seriously, it is just beliefs. 100%. It's what we believe. Like, I think I've said this before, but you know, if, if your parents told you that the sky was red and you believed that the sky was red and then later on in life, somebody said, no, the sky's blue. You'd be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So like colors, the names of things, you know, just everything in that we see is a belief because we believe it to be true. Exactly. And we're not open to changing that, Mm. although it does change and evolve over time. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you look back to, let's say, uh, I think it was like King Henry, Mm. Maybe it was back then. So I don't know the exact dates because I suck at dates, but (laughs) you know, if we look back to that timeframe, boys wore dresses, that was normal. Now there is this sort of movement happening of why can boys not wear dresses? Mm. Well, somewhere in the middle there, a decision was made. Boys couldn't wear dresses. Well, who made that decision? Why did we not challenge it back then? Because the norm had changed. Now we're trying to change it again. And this is the part about human life that we often don't stop to challenge all of those beliefs. Mm -hmm. You know, if I believed that the sky was red and someone said, no, it's blue. I wouldn't say, well, why do you think it's blue rather than red? Here's what I've been taught. Here's what you've been taught. Let's come to a consensus. Mm. We would literally say, well, no, you're wrong. There isn't a questioning of any of those beliefs. Who decided that? Is that really true? And we as independent people need to start questioning all the different aspects of our lives, whether Mm -hmm. it is our spirituality, whether it is our work circumstances, whether it is just our, 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 you know, normal belief systems in everyday life. Do you really believe this? Or was this something you were taught that you just accepted to be the truth Mm -hmm. and start to challenge those things in your life? Because maybe you won't change your mind, right? Maybe you will continue to believe the sky is red and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But if you never stop to ask, do I really believe this? Or did I just accept that someone else taught me this? then you don't actually know what it is your belief system is. You've just adapted, as you said, your parents' belief system or someone else's from your life. Yes. 
and changing that belief system is hard. It's, it's can be painful and difficult. And, and like you may lose, you know, friends or family may treat you differently or, you know, all of these things like that you were nice and cozy and comfy in your little box that said normal. Yep. Yep. (laughs) That now the box is like, you know, you're breaking out of the box and people are like, Whoa, what's wrong with your box? (laughs) Absolutely. And, and you have to be okay with that. This is one of the things about sort of becoming comfortable in your own skin Mm. is you have to be okay that not everyone is meant to be in your life always and forever. People will come People Mm -hmm. flow just like energy is what I like to say to my clients. People will come into your life for whatever the purpose is, and then they'll float away and that's okay. Don't cling to people like they have to stay around forever because people ultimately are here for a purpose, whether that's to help you with something, teach you something, show you something, doesn't matter what it is. But once that purpose is fulfilled, they're meant to just fall away like energy. And then someone will flow back every once in a while. And that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Yes. I actually just had that conversation with my daughter a couple of weeks ago. Oh, well, she's 13. So she's going, you know, that teenage, sure. <laughs> that time where people <laughs> will definitely come and go and you're trying to figure out who's like real and who's not. And, yep. you know, are these real friends? Are they not real friends? Like sure. what are these feelings and what is happening right now? <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, the teenage years. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I just had that same conversation. Like, you know, people are always going to come and go always. Like, I don't, yeah, I have a handful of friends that I have known a very long time. And, but most of the people in my life have come in and out, you know, like it's just, that's the way it's supposed to be. And it can suck sometimes when you, you know, lose somebody physically or emotionally, but it happens, you know, for a reason and looking at the lesson sometimes is even harder because then you have to admit that, you know, okay, well, they were here and they, you know, taught me something. What was it? And how was it supposed to help me move forward? Right. How, what was it meant? You know, what was their energetic or physical presence in my life meant for? Right. Instead of, you know, of course you're going to grieve and it's totally good to, to grieve because you want to let all that emotion out. You don't want to keep that bottled up because that just, you know, isn't good for you or anybody else, but sure you know, looking at that is hard because you're in your grief and you know, you don't have to look at that right away. (laughs) Don't look at the lesson right away. Do your grieving, let out your emotions, do, you know, heal because we do have to heal because it does hurt if somebody leaves or, you know, is gone. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, we have this weird sort of process around grief here in North America where it's like, you know, 
here's your time to mourn. Now you must move on and life must get better. Yeah. Instead of allowing people the process that's necessary. And don't get me wrong. I'm not talking specifically about like mourning the death of someone. Mm. If you lose a friend, a relationship, a coworker, because they've gone somewhere else, mm. like it doesn't have to be an actual physical death. Mm-hmm. Losing someone in any way is still a loss that needs to be mourned. Mm -hmm. And we need to take whatever time is necessary to do that. You know, for me personally, I, I adopted a dog years ago. Um, she has since passed away, you know, almost a decade now, Mm. but at the time that I adopted her from the shelter, I was struggling with a lot of mental health issues and I was suicidal. Mm. And she literally was the thing that saved my life. She gave me a reason to get up in the morning. She gave me a reason to keep going when I couldn't find one within myself. Mm. And when I lost her, when she died a natural death, I mourned for months. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't function as a normal, quote unquote, normal human being. Mm -hmm. And my family around me couldn't figure out why it was such a big loss and why I hadn't sort of moved on Mm. until I actually gave them sort of the wording my therapist at the time had used, a piece of you is gone. That relationship was a part of who you were Mm. and it's now gone. And there is no time limit on how long it takes you to feel okay, to patch that up and move on because you're never healing entirely. What you're doing is making yourself as whole as you can to move forward. Mm -hmm. And then my family started to understand a little bit, but that's what loss is no matter the kind of loss you're talking about. So, you know, If you're talking about a 13 year old who's losing friends because that happens at that age, there's still a loss there. There's still a sense of, am I worthy? Are these people leaving because something's wrong with me? How do I go forward? There's all of these different questions that come up from that. And it takes time to process and deal with all of those. So, you know, whether your process is two minutes or whether your process is two years, Take all the time that you need in order to feel as whole as you can to move forward from that. Yeah. And, and you know, this includes you changing as well. Yes. Because when you step into a different version of yourself, you're, you know, you no longer will accept certain things a certain way, or, you know, you know, you're, you are now different and Sometimes we feel like we we're losing pieces of ourselves as we evolve. Absolutely. And, you know, some people are totally okay with that. And some other people are like, what's happening right now? (laughs) Yeah. It can be confusing because that box that you had is now smashed. And you're like, oh, where do I put this one? Like, (laughs) well, I I usually um, explain like the subconscious to my clients, like a brick wall. So like, as we build our belief system, we're like mortaring another brick into the wall and as different, you know, beliefs come in and now we're questioning things, it's like, okay, the brick cracks a little bit or the mortar underneath the brick cracks a little bit. And, you know, our, like you said before, like our brains work in a way that the information or energy or whatever it is comes in. And it looks for that brick. Which brick do I fit in? Which one do I fit in? Like, do I have a brick? (laughs) 
right. that, that this fits in. And if we don't, then we're like, okay, well, how do I know that that's real? Like we were talking about before, yep. but then we have that, that when we start questioning things, that's when we start like chipping at the bricks and we're like, Hmm, okay, let's, let's check this out. And if it doesn't quite fit our, if we're not aware and want to grow, sometimes we just, it just bounces off and that belief or question or whatever it is, will just kind of fall away and we don't think about it again. Yep. And we just keep going on as the, the way we always have. But if you notice like a pattern or a, um, a habit or a way you show up that you're like, I'm not really sure I want to be this way anymore or do this thing anymore. That's when you can start, you know, cracking mortar and bricks in your subconscious and, and start really changing the way that you show up, be, do have whatever it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And it can be super uncomfortable. (laughs) It mostly is super uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's, and it's not meant to be comfortable, right? Growth doesn't happen when we're sitting comfortably in our sweatpants. Growth happens when we put ourselves in the positions where we are uncomfortable, where we don't want to be, where we push ourselves past where we think we can handle. Mm. That's when the growth happens. And there is a mourning process that happens as you grow Mm -hmm. because who you were, who you identified as has changed Mm -hmm. and you have to mourn that loss of that old you and move on to the joy of the new you, whatever that happens to be. And as you said, you know, there is certain aspects of that that are sad and there's certain aspects of that that are joyous, Mm -hmm. but there is a complexity in all of it as well. Right. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we are complex, multidimensional beings anyways. Exactly. And just understanding that sometimes can be (laughs) right. You're like, well, wait, what? (laughs) Exactly. And and I think, you know, for, for all of us, it's a matter of being okay with not always having all the answers. And, you know, it took me a long time to get to a place where that was okay Yes, because we want the answer, right? We always want the answer. We want to be able to solve it. We want to be able to fix it and put it in the box and be done with it. Yeah. But the truth is we are never as human beings going to know everything. And when Mm. you get comfortable in that, you end up okay. As you go through this self-growth process. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier. Yes. When you say, okay, you know, I don't have to know right now. Exactly. I'm always telling, um, you know, clients and friends, family, everybody, like, (laughs) like, seriously, I will tell whoever (laughs) (laughs) the guy at the grocery store, it doesn't matter. Um, to let go of the outcome. Yes. Like take, take the, take the leap. The net will appear. Yep. And you know, just step towards what you want every day. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be a big step. It can be a little baby step. It can be a toe. It doesn't matter what it is. Exactly. If you're, if you keep taking the step forward towards what you want, eventually you're going to get it because you, you're actually moving yourself forward. Yes. Like instead of just, I love sitting in my sweatpants, but (laughs) (laughs) you can be uncomfortable in your sweatpants too. You can absolutely be uncomfortable (laughs) in your sweatpants. Yes. Yes. 
But yeah, this has been a great conversation, Crystal. I appreciate your time and your knowledge. Um, and I'm sure that there will be many, many people that get a lot of goodness out of this conversation. This has been wonderful. Thank you so yeah. much for having me. Yeah. So tell everyone where they can find you. So the best place to find me is on my website, which is chasinghappiness.ca or to send me an email at info at chasinghappiness.ca. I am, of course, on all the social networks and stuff, uh, but the website links to everywhere. So these days, that's probably the quickest way to find me. Nice. Beautiful. I love it. All right. So as always, screenshot this episode, tag us in your stories on Instagram or on Facebook and let us know what you thought. Tell us, you know, all the your aha moments or any breakthroughs or anything good, bad, ugly, whatever. We like to hear it all. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, do that and show us some love, show Crystal some love, and we'll see you all in the next episode.